I'm Mike Gorman, and you're listening to the Celtics Pod podcast for Celtics Blog. Here's your host, Adam Taylor. What's good, everybody? Welcome back to the Celtics Pod podcast. As usual, I'm your boy, Adam Taylor. As usual, I'm joined by my homie, my compadre, my co-host in crime, Mr. Will Weir. What's good, Will? Hey, what it do, Adam? How you doing, man? Good, baby. <laughs> Hit him with that Kawhi. <laughs> not a robot, I promise. Oh, not a robot. What was the? Uh, I was watching Scrubs earlier at the end where it's like, not a doctor. <laughs> dude, do you like the show Scrubs? Yeah, I love Scrubs. Too. Oh, it's the best, man. Dude, I, I, abs- I'm, I wouldn't say I'm obsessed with Scrubs. I probably was at, at one point. They have a phenomenal podcast, uh, Fake Doctors, Real Friends. Which, if you're looking for some non-basketball content, I highly recommend. They're rewatching all of Scrubs, and they mix in like stuff that they got going on and in real life, and it's just it's just fun because basically it's it's Turk and JD, aka Donald Faison and Zach Braff, and they're literally their characters in real life and their best friends, and it's it gives you all the same feels of that show. But I'm a massive Scrubs fan. They just had a commercial together during the Super Bowl. Uh, I will promote anything and everything having to do with Scrubs. <laughs> do you know what I got heavily into as a non-basketball podcast about 18 months ago? Well, and then I just stopped listening all of a sudden. Was uh, the Ron Burgundy podcast? I tried getting into that, man. And like, because I, I, love, I love the first Anchorman. I think the second Anchorman is pretty bad. But yeah, the first was. Anchorman is, is, is fantastic. It's legendary. Uh, it was too much for me. Yeah, I just, I like, it, like the Ron Burgundy character, I love him in, in a sitting but I think yeah. it was the multiple, you know, over the top Ron Burgundy. Like, you know, I, I don't know if it's a weekly podcast or there's multiple per week. Probably weekly would be my guess. But even that, it's like sometimes you try to catch up on something. And it's like, man, I don't know if I can sit here and listen to three straight hours of like Ron Burgundy interviews. Like at a certain point, it gets too much. So I could never listen to it at home. Like, but if I was in the car driving, like it just kept me entertained. You know what I mean? Yeah, so I can like- feel that. I, so I was kind of like, yeah, I can, I can get down on this. There's not many non-basketball anything that I pay attention to. Yeah. So Same uh, here. It's, it's I only have a couple. Rare. Yeah, very rare. Very yeah, one, rare. one other one I will shout out is the Conan O'Brien podcast. I'm a huge Conan guy. Conan's a Boston guy. So hopefully there's some other people out here that maybe will listen to that as well. It's called Conan O'Brien Needs a Friend. Uh, that's all. He's just he's just like one of the best interviewers. And actually, I sometimes listen to his interview style. I'm never going to be as funny as Conan O'Brien. That's, that's clearly a gift. You know, I can I can hope and pray and wish. I just can try. And it, and it, yeah, it ain't ever gonna happen. But <laughs> he's such a good interviewer that I do sometimes try and listen to him and pick up what I think makes him such a good interviewer, other than him being hilarious. That maybe we can I can bring into you know our podcast here on my show with Greg, and uh, he's just someone that I think does a really great job of getting guests to open up, uh, and he's hilarious on top of it. So that's another podcast I'd recommend. Non basketball, check it out. See, the non-basketball ones I listen to are generally still sports-related. Well, entertainment sports. Like what? Give me an example. So I listen to like um, a couple of uh, AEW podcasts because I really like my AEW, as we spoke about before. I'll listen to, um, there's one, what is it called? I'd have to get up on my podcast. I think it's like the Angry 8 BJJ podcast. I listen to that. Um, that's really good to talk technique. They they have some real high-level athletes come Mm -hmm. come through on there. So that's cool. or is it Borde? I'd have to find it. No, Bordeaux's an NFT. Um, see, I get confused. I, that's about it, really. And then, you know, I might find one and try it out for an episode or two. Yeah. Every once in a while, I'll get frisky, try one out. But I mean, the two I just named are basically the only oh. podcasts that are not sports related. So there's one I've been listening to, just two dudes. Not, not They're not big. 
They're not like famous or anything like that. Yeah. Just two dudes I came across on Twitter about two and a half years ago. Do um do like a pop culture podcast. Two brothers. Um, they call and I listen to that almost religiously every Monday. They do a do you know what it's brilliant called? job. Yeah, it's Brothers Binge. Brothers and that's Binge. just okay. two random guys off Twitter, like just brothers. They don't have a huge following or anything, but I've been following them for a while now, and uh, they're really, really good. And is it like, uh, like they follow, like, like pop culture in the sense of music, TV? Uh, yeah, so it's movies, usually like whatever. any Marvel, DC, and okay. then like uh, Nintendo and PlayStation. Ooh, they I play games on each. Yeah, they play games on each episode as well. So like, it's quite fun. Like I don't know how we got into promoting other people's podcasts. <laughs> yeah. Stick here, stay here, stay here. Listen to the rest of our podcast. Before yeah, you check those out. Yeah. So anyway, anyway, well, we're talking about entertainment. Our entertainment kind of slid off um, off a cliff because the Celtics went on a nine-game winning streak and true to form, true to Boston Celtics style this year, they lost to the Pistons. <laughs> the Pistons, please let t- please take a moment, pour one out, <laughs> because it was a, look, it was a bad loss, but it wasn't a bad loss. It was a bad loss because of the team they lost to. Yeah. I don't think they played that badly. I think they just got roughed up a little bit and didn't really rise to that physicality occasion. And I, I, mean, I mean, look, man, they were physical, man. If Isaiah Stewart's on the floor, I'm not, I'm not. I love that nickname, dude. It's, dude. I I saw you tweet about it this morning, and last night I I was th- I knew I loved his nickname, but I couldn't remember it. And then I woke up this morning and saw your tweet. And I was like, yeah, Adam was like reading my mind last night. reading it, dude. <laughs> but I'm like in my head, I'm like, dude. If that was me and I was playing against him and he was getting physical with me and the game was choppy, in my head I'd be like, yo, you went for LeBron's neck. Uh, Jason Tatum's not built like no LeBron. Like I'm being nice yeah. to you, Mr. Beast. You, you want to go to the rim? <laughs> There's the rim, dude. Have you have I, I'm going to let you go. But So I was like, yeah, he's, a, he's an intimidating dude. Yeah, he ain't scared. He, you know, he don't, like you yeah, said, he went at LeBron's neck. Like, if you're coming at LeBron, especially as a young guy in the league, this is what Isaiah Stewart, I think, second year in the league, and you're a young guy that ain't afraid to come for the king, you know, like, you best come at the king, you, you know, you best not miss. So, you know, a guy like Isaiah Stewart, like, he, he's going to bring the physicality, and he brought it last night, and you could tell that, like, that whole Pistons team was was, was pretty physical with, yeah. with the way they played and, um you know, that's a, a scrappy team like that because they, they got some guys. They got some young guys, you know, but they got guys that got talent. I was really impressed with Cade Cunningham last night. Cade looked good. Yeah, looked what good. were your thoughts on Cade? I'm curious. Yeah, I just thought he he had a really good uh, control of the game. Like, he the way he the way he controlled the flow of the offense was uh, super impressive to me. Never let himself get too rushed. Never took himself too lackadaisical. He just... Always seemed to be in control. His passes, man, the, the speed and zip on those passes. He knew where he wanted to place the ball. And he got hot in the third a little bit, hit a couple of threes. Uh, I thought he was really good off the dribble as well, getting uh, getting past guys. Uh, overall, like a, a solid skill set for a young first-year guard. And I know everybody's been speaking about him all year, and he was the first, like, overall first pick. So you expect this. And before we move off him, just his, his I thought his defense was actually impressive. That was one yeah, part of his game that uh that i really wasn't as familiar with because you know i'm i'm not super locked into pistons every night you know they've won i think 12 games in the season unfortunately one now versus the celtics but you know i'm not super locked in on a nightly night base basis with the pistons so i'm checking them out every now and then checking in on some Cade highlights so i don't necessarily see the defensive side of it as much but i thought he had a couple moments where you know he locked up some of the celtics better players on the perimeter forced them into some tough shots 
Um, so yeah, just Cade Cunningham, really impressive game from him. And, you know, I think he was a big reason, you know, I wonder how that game changes. If Marcus smart is guarding him a little bit more, I think that changes it a little bit. Um, but you know, back to the Celtics, like this is a game, of course they, they, they should have won even without Marcus and Rob, but the way I kind of look at it, you're coming off a nine game win streak. You're riding probably the season high of a basically 50 point beatdown of one of your main rivals on the road where you were still missing pretty much Marcus and Rob. I know Mar- Marcus got hurt after about 12 minutes into that game. So you're riding a massive high and you're right before the all-star break. And I think Keith Smith tweeted this out. I thought it was a really good analogy. Anyone that's had an office job and you bust your butt leading up to a vacation because you know you got to get stuff done. You want to have nothing to worry about. You want to enjoy your time. And usually by the time you hit that day before you're going to be off for a week or you're about to go hit Bahamas or for some of these guys, they're going to, you know, Cancun, one, two, three, Cancun. They're going wherever they might be going. Flights are taken off from Logan. They're all, all hitting the PJs. Like there's a chance you might slack off a little bit. And I think that's what happened. You know, I think it was a clear, clear trap game. You know, I think the Celtics probably, and they were right there, to be fair. Like, they got a great look from Tatum at the end of the game. They had a lead in the fourth, and, and the Pistons just did not give up. And they hit some tough shots. That Jeremy Grant shot to go up, 112-111, I think he hit it on Tatum. I, I don't know how he hit that shot. Like, that was that was a very impressive shot. So, I'm not super worried about it. The Celtics were ready to take a break. We need a little bit of a break with Rob and, and Marcus to go get healthy. So, end of the day, yeah, it's a bad loss. But you also won nine games in a row before that. That's why you have those extended win streaks so that a trap game like this doesn't set your season, you know, off the rails like it had earlier in the year. So how did you feel? And I, I'm, this is all going to tie in at the end. How did you feel about Tatum and Brown going a little bit ISO at the beginning and midway through the fourth? Because they were hitting the shots. Yeah. They were still going ISO. And I think Tatum had like two or three back-to-back isolation possessions on the wing. And then Brown took a couple of isolation possessions. And for the most part, they were hitting those shots. But in my head, I was like, nah, guys. Like, I don't, for me, I don't, I no longer care if you score on your ISO possessions. We've seen that playing the other way is going to get you a W. Yeah. You've it for nine games and it worked very well. Why are we back to, why are we back to ISO right now? Yeah, that, was in, that was interesting, right? Because it, it stuck out because that hasn't been the way that they've built this win streak, right? But also a key element to that is, you know, Marcus Smart has absolutely taken on his shoulders that point guard role. And, you know, Derek White, this is only his fourth game in there. He's kind of playing that that almost backup point guard role right now. And he's still kind of getting after me. You know, I mean, he's he's fit like a glove for the most part. And I've loved everything I've seen from what Derek White has has brought to this team so far. But, you know, it's it's still new. Like there's still there's still a learning curve, even when it looks as great as it does. And so you may forget that that's, you know, that's still a part of the process. But so those ISO possessions did really kind of stick out a little bit like a sore thumb, even though to your point, they were hitting those shots. And when you're playing, you know, lesser competition and you're going ISO and you're hitting those shots, like and you're like all-star levels like these guys, there's kind of times where you can kind of look the other way. But, you know, as for us, we watch every single game multiple times. And so it's like, ah, guys, that's, that's we don't want to fall into those bad habits. So maybe this is the good time for the break so that we don't have an opportunity for those to kind of steamroll and continue into the next game. Now we have that break. Everybody kind of resets. You come back in and hopefully you're going to get back to what got you on that nine game win streak. But I do think it's interesting that you brought that up because I noticed that at, at one point, and it did come back to kind of bite us in the foot a little bit, uh, you know, towards the end of the game. I think for me, it was very much like, um, and this is where I said it will all tie back in, right? 
like if you've ever worked in an office and you're you know you have an email kind of based job where people are sending you queries or you work in sales or whatever you generally have some stored stock replies on your outlook you know you just hit your reply list and there'll be one for quotation there'll be one for general inquiry one for forwarding and you just click it and it populates your email you hit send it's very little thought process and i felt like tatum and brown went to their stock reply folder and they were like we're gonna hit iso on the right wing we're gonna hit iso on the left wing and we're just gonna go through the stock replies and hit send and i get it they were scoring it was offense that was putting points on the board but it wasn't the offense that's been successful for the last nine games now they played the right way in the first half for the most part and then the third you know they the um the pistons sadiq bay got hot in the third as well then Cade he Yo, he loves playing the celtics doesn't he he really does dude and he's good like that's he, the that, he had that little green streak in his hair last yeah, night I too I don't, that, I don't i don't know if that's something he I, like i said i'm not super locked into the pistons game so if you're if you're a pistons fan listening let us know if that's something he always has or if that was just like yeah you know, i you know he started rubbing his hands together like playing the celtics gotta get the streak i know i'm gonna have a good night <laughs> yeah and he he, went, he was hot dude i mean he yeah. was real real good and that was frustrating as well but at the same time it's like what i feel like boston's defense was allowing anything towards the rim and they when that happens you're going to start collapsing more because you over help or you over you overcompensate and then you're going to leave shooters open and detroit were just feeding the hot hand and i understand boston were doing that with Jalen brown a little bit especially in the second and the first actually uh, they they kind of fed um, Jalen Brown multiple times. They were just like, yo, you're the hot hand, here's the rock, here's the rock, here's the rock. And in the flow of the offense, great. Feeding him just to feed him, like, I, I don't see the point because it's so easy for a defense to start, like, um, shutting down passing lanes, front and post positions, and knowing that Jalen's going to shoot, you know what I mean? So I feel like they re- definitely went away from what I've been working. But at the same time, this is a day after absolutely spanking yeah. Philadelphia. Like, and I'm talking like a real spanking, like real, real bad. Like back in the fifties where belts were involved type of spanking. <laughs> yeah. It was bad, dude. Like uh so you have to take your wins with your losses, man. I'm not like I'm not tripping about it at all. I'm not crying. Or... It, it's way too hard to overreact after everything we've seen over the last month plus at this point to to that one game and like you said there's it's a, it's a classic trap game leading right up to the all-star break and you know the position that this team is in going into the going into the all-star break at 34 and 26 right now they're the sixth seed we'll see there's a couple games that will play out uh tonight before the break ends so let's see if they stay outside of that plane but they'll be right right on that line uh when we when we go to the all-star game break like compared to where we were now think just think about this for a second a month ago, or maybe, you know, let's just say at the start of 2022, if someone had said, hey, the Celtics are going to go this record and end up 34 and 26 from this point on, and they're going to be a six seed, we would have laughed at them. We would have been like, have you seen this team? This, I would have hopefully it with some serious, like, sass. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. We would have busted out all the emojis for it. Like, this, this would not have been something that was something that we saw coming. And so there has been a dramatic shift in this team so for where they're at right now i'm not gonna fret over over that one game against the pistons i think as well like for me one of the biggest things that stood out was if you've cast your mind back to that philly game at the beginning of that philly game philadelphia would dominate in the glass and it was a big issue for for a little minute you know and then it happened what was the game before that 
on Sunday. Who did they play on Sunday? Uh, was it the Hawks? Yeah, it was the Hawks. Yeah, it was the Hawks. So let's cast our mind back to the Hawks because Philly didn't really dominate. It didn't last for more than the first few minutes, so that's pointless. But if you go back to the Hawks, the Hawks at halftime had like 15, 16 more rebounds than Boston did. And the one of the main things that turned that game on its head in the second half against the Hawks was the fact that all of a sudden Boston started winning the battle on the glass. They were winning it on the offensive glass, on the defensive glass. They got physical. They kind of removed Clint Capella from the uh, from the equation. And then they surged back. They come in against Philly the first minute or two. Philly seemed to be getting a little bit of what they won on the boards. All of a sudden Boston just completely shut it down and they dominate. Against Detroit, again, there's an issue with rebounding, but Boston don't fix it. They don't adjust and then Philly dominate. And I think Udoka even said that, like, I think, what was it? 22 points off, off second chance points, mm-hmm. uh, 17 or something stupid offensive rebounds. I haven't looked at the numbers um, while we're talking, but it was a lot. Yeah. And I think that's the one big issue for the Celtics right now. They've got excellent defense. They've got real good post defense. Uh, help defense is great, but they're not securing the rebounds. There was a possession where I think it went like Cade, Killian Hayes, then Beef Stew, one missed, next one missed, and Beef yeah. Stew come up. Do you know the one I mean? I think that was in the fourth, probably. Yeah, I, I, can, I think it was like it was off of a fast break, but then there was, uh, yeah, I think it was, it might have been, I think it was Beef Stew that ended up finishing it, but yeah, yeah all three of them got involved. Yeah. It's like that old school rebounding drill, right? Everyone likes Yeah, when you throw it off the glass. Yeah, yeah, that's <laughs> what it felt like. And it was like, is no one going to like get in the way? You know, where's the box at? Where's the rotation over to just at least throw it out of bounds? Like, you're giving these guys literally running. A 1942 drill <laughs> and finding success. What's going on, dude? Yeah, I mean that's. I think that's going to be an area that you know the the Celtics. It, it, they're going to have to have a team mentality. I think when it comes to to rebounding, because especially if you're not playing that that double big lineup, and specifically with with Horford and Rob, or maybe now we haven't you know really seen because Tice just came back in the Philly game, so maybe they'll run a little bit of of Tice and Rob or Tyson and Horford. That could be something. But when you don't have that out there. You're going to have either Grant or Tatum typically playing that, you know, quote unquote four spot, which, you know, as much as Tatum's a really great rebounder, Grant can kind of, you know, beef up a little bit. Like you are a little bit smaller, you know, and, and even Rob Williams, he's, he, he plays a lot bigger than he is. He's only about six. Like him and Jason Tatum are really about the same size, but Rob just plays a lot bigger than he actually is. So I think that will be an area that the Celtics will have to, I, I don't want to say address, because I don't think there's really going to be anything in the buyout market that you're going to do that will will solve that. It's just going to have to be a team mentality. But with the way that their defense is connected when everyone's on the court, I'm not overly worried about it. I think there could be certain matchups where it's an issue. And you saw, like we said, the physicality was really what I think kind of did it last night, which is why I think, you know, Isaiah Stewart was such an important factor. So depending on teams that they may get matched up with in down the line, it could present itself as an issue. Uh, but I'm not overly worried about it, if I'm being honest. Yeah, I'm not over. Like, okay, so my mentality is this. The majority of the Celtics core are from the rebound by committee Brad Stevens era. Mm-hmm. They've had to do this before. They've been in positions where it's, hey, if we're going to get rebounds, then all of us need to be crashing, you know? But the downside is Udoka wants to play a bit faster than that, so you have to have one or two guys leaking out. Yeah. Because if you want those early pitch-ahead passes, if you want guys to get up the floor to set up screens or to go into a ram offense or whatever it may be, someone needs to leak out somewhere. So that rebounding by committee needs to be so well orchestrated. And, you know, you see this Jason Tatum, Rob Williams sometimes fighting for a rebound, going up at the same time. 
there needs to be a little bit more communication there because mm-hmm. maybe the other one can seal off a defender that's trying to um, an offensive player, sorry, that's trying to get the ORB. I don't think that we're going to see them all of a sudden um, become this fantastic rebounding team, but I also don't think all of a sudden we're going to see them become a really bad rebounding team either. Yeah, I don't think that's going to be something that um, I'm really going to worry too much about. I would say this, though, as we look forward to kind of the second half, and I think maybe that's where we can we can take the rest of this podcast here, is looking ahead towards that second half. The area for me that I, I, I'm going to be very curious to see to see if it becomes an issue or not, is going to be the depth of this team. Like, I think this team has a lot of guys that can step up, but it's it's very thin. And, you know, we talked about this during the, the trade deadline show as we were counting up the amount of roster spots that were open, and there still are several roster spots that are open. So you know that Brad Stevens is going to be active when it comes to that buyout market and finding guys that can fill in. But you even see with Marcus Smart and Rob being out for, for a couple of games, it's a little bit thin as far as that that depth goes, and so I'm going to be curious to see how that how that plays out in the long run over these next 20, 22 games or so, which is a real sprint towards the end of the season here. And it's going to mean you know guys like Peyton Pritchard, guys like Aaron Neesmith getting opportunities, maybe even a Sam Hauser who looked kind of nice the end of the Philly game. Uh, it's going to mean them getting an additional opportunity to step up. And you know, is that an area that you have any concern of when we when we look at the depth of this team as we we look towards the second half? Yeah, so I think that. There's a point where the depth is an issue, but there's also a point where it's like um, an eight-man rotation seems to be viable, and nine a nine-man rotation could be viable. So when these guys have to step up, the the issue is that if that happens consistently, there's been an injury, at mm-hmm. which point you're like you're always going to see a talent drop. You know what I mean? If one of your starting five gets injured and your bench guy has to step into that role and then your end of bench guy has to step into a seventh man role. There's all, there's going to be a talent drop somewhere, but I do think that Sam Hauser showed, especially against um, Philly during like the last quarter and a half when it was lots of development time. Sam Hauser during, showed during like, the summer league, there's yeah. the summer league run in the fourth. The dude's a straight bucket. You know what I mean? Running over screens, getting the ball is a bucket. Like, Smith was dropping freeze in that game too, so you know, take from that what yeah. you will. He finally but, got a couple to go, man. That's huge. Do I worry a little bit? I think they're going to pick up a guy or two. I think they're going to, you know, they know where they stand now. We had Keith on earlier this week, and one of the things Keith mentioned was very much uh, the Celtics are probably going to wait to see what happens with Jalen Brown and the All Star game before yeah. making a decision because now they know exactly right. This is our cap number. This is what we have. Now we know what we can spend to stay into the luxury tax. Yeah, that made sense when Keith said that. Real quick, to that note, I did see a report earlier. I don't have it pulled up anymore as to where it was coming from. But the last kind of question mark play, uh, not playoff, but uh, all-star game spot uh, was potentially seeing what was happening with Zach Levine. Because if he's not going to play, that's like the last injury replacement that seems like unless something crazy happens, you know, right after we record this to one of the other all-star game players that there might not be room, but it looks like Zach Levine is going to get cleared. I don't know why he's going to play in this game. He probably shouldn't. That sounds like an 
as you know, as people that lived through the Kemba experience, I would highly recommend Zach Levine probably not play in this game. Um, but it did look like I saw a report earlier that he might be cleared to play. So if that's the case, then that means the Celtics are probably, you know, clear on that Jalen Brown incentive. But they'll probably wait another cup, another day or two here to to just be sure. And then they'll have to, like, you know, as you and keep talked about, that will then influence what the what them uh, or how they move on the buyout market will go. Yeah, and I think that's where you get the additional kind of insurance policies, right? Like Luke Cornett's not going to see playoff minutes, regardless of what happens. Like if Luke Cornett is all of a sudden playing considerable playoff minutes, you know an injury crisis has hit and everything's gone wrong. Yeah, it's gone bad. If Sam Hauser is playing legitimate, um, you see, with Sam, I'm like in my head, I'm like, there's a there's a route where Sam could become viable. Yeah. But at the same time, if he's playing legitimate playoff minutes, something went wrong because Neesmith would have got those minutes. It's the same thing. Like, you know, I've seen a lot of discussion at the moment. People talking about, oh, if Derek Favors gets bought out, Derek Favors would be a great target on the buyout market. People pulling at my heartstrings, man. I've been a big Derek Favors guy for a very long time. I've been very vocal about it on this show over the years. But I don't think that a Derek Favors type guy fixes anything right now because yeah, he, he that was doesn't be my question fix what is, is where, where does he even fit in with, with this it roster doesn't. now? Yeah. Like, you know, it's going to be the same issue as what you had with NS Kanter. There's a very specific type of defense that you need to play to get the best out of him. And in Kanter's version, well, Freedom, sorry. In Freedom's version of getting the best out of him, it was, like, passable. But, like, you know, Favors is a legitimate defensive big yeah. man. But you have to play a very certain way. And that's not going to bode well with everything else the team are trying to do. I mean, if you look at Favors when he was in New Orleans two years ago, when he was off the floor, I think the Pelicans were giving up like 11 points more compared to when he was on the floor. He was like a a noticeable difference. Mm -hmm. Went back to the Jazz because the Jazz were just like, yo, the defense you give us when Rudy sits, you know, there's, there's a drop, but it's not as prominent as what it is when you're not here. But that's two different, like you have to play drop defense. You don't really have another option. And, that's not going to happen in Boston. So I, I like the idea. I see people talking about it a bunch, but it's not one for me now. And that kind of makes me sad. It's kind of like that Greg Monroe thing as well. You remember when everyone wanted him? Yeah. And it just didn't work out when he was there because he just didn't fit the schemes. And when yeah. you think about it like that, like who are you going to go for? Like I don't even know who's available right now. Yeah. I mean, right now it hasn't really started to to take shape other than uh, I think Tristan Thompson and, and Goran Dragic are the, are the two names that I've really seen. And then DeAndre, uh, DeAndre Bembry signed with um, Milwaukee. So that was that was one move that happened. And it looks like Tristan Thompson, according to Rick Carlisle, that weird kind of press conference, I don't know if you saw that, where he kind of announced after the game, like for Tristan Thompson, that he's going to Chicago. So I, I don't really, I had never really seen a coach announce that and, and tip off the media where the player is going. But good for you, Tristan Thompson. Uh, yeah, but Gordon John is really the only other name I've seen out there so far. There's been a few speculative names out there. I think Gary Harris is one that's popped around, but he's still getting some pretty considerable playing time yeah. with the Magic right now. So that, you know, just reading the tea leaves, that feels less likely and that market would be super competitive for him. I was I think he's kind of ideal for what the Celtics would need as like an eighth, ninth guy that you'd want to bring in and kind of provide some of the things that you need as being, you know, a perimeter wing guy that's a, a pretty good three point shooter. I think shooting around thirty eight percent this year. Like that would be ideal, but his market would be, you know, would be red hot if he actually does get bought out. So you'd have a lot of competition. Uh, one guy that I've thought, you know, at, at first glance, I didn't think I'd be as interested, but I do think he could be a good fit is DJ Augustine. 
I think that would be an interesting name as kind of an insurance policy for, you know, I still haven't, can't really tell how Eme feels about playing Peyton Pritchard. You know, I, I think Pritchard gives you a ton of effort. So I think just like based on his size, he, there's a, a certain disadvantage that he'll never not have on the defensive end just because of his, his size. And so, you know, DJ Augustine, a little bit more of a veteran. This is kind of your Bryn Forbes take a little bit, a little bit more of a veteran that maybe Eme trusts a little bit. If you get into a spot where like Marcus Smart is out right now, you can bring in a guy like DJ Augustine, who's like a professional point guard, can come in, run the offense, get things set up, maybe cut down on having to go ISO. If you have some time in big spots where Marcus or Derek White, as he's you know getting involved in the system more, maybe one of them is out for whatever reason, and maybe DJ Augustine is that guy that comes in and fills, or a guy like that. Yeah, I like that idea. I think he fits well. Uh, I'd have to sit down and think about how he fits with the system more. I haven't watched enough Augustine in the last He's more years. of an insurance policy is how yeah, I think of him. For sure. So, yeah. I mean, I think for me, the, the reason I said I'd have to see how he fits the system is because we're saying an insurance policy, but if he comes in and just kills Pritchard's time again, I'm not sure where, where the value is there because mm-hmm. you did build Pritchard up. But at the moment, like I'm like, yo, if you want to bring another backup guardian, I'm, I'm completely down. Because as much as, as good as Derek White, White looked, as a primary ball handler, I still prefer him at the two. Yeah, exactly. I think that's just, uh, and that's just the way I am. You know, he spent three of his four years or four of his five years in the league as the shooting guard. I don't see why you, like, if you if you can avoid it, then avoid putting him at the point guard because he just doesn't have that same level of experience there. I know there's a bunch of crossover, especially in positionless basketball, but still. But I think that pretty much wraps us up. Yeah, I mean, I think so too, man. I mean, it's the it's, it's the All Star break, right? You know, yeah, are you looking yeah. forward to the All Star game? Yeah, I'm looking forward to the All Star game. I'm looking forward to the lighter workload for a few days too. That that's probably what I'm looking forward to the most, if we're being honest. You know, the All Star game, it's it's cool, it's fun. I'm gonna tune in. I'm gonna check it out. I'll enjoy the festivities. But uh, it's just just like the Celtics looking ahead to a break last night. I think I think you and I are on that that same mindset, looking to get a, a little bit of break, recharge the batteries, because you know it is a sprint to the finish. When oh, they dude, come back it? on Thursday against Brooklyn, from third, what is it, February twenty fourth until April tenth, twenty two games packed into that little span of time. Back to back to back, back to back to back. And do you know what's yeah. worse? I have two huge, and I mean enormous, university assignments to get done in that exact same time frame. They're on the so, NBA schedule. <laughs> oh man! So I'm like, dude, like. I'm basically sacrificing sleep, but I've only got this year and next year left. Obviously, if anyone's new to the show, I start. I, I never went to university until later in life, so I've done it part time. So I do it on an evening. But I'm sat. I'm living on like four hours sleep right now. Dude. I'm just like taking naps on my office floor for the like hardest 10, working man in the game. Time. I try, dude. I try. <laughs> you know, sleep when you're dead, right? But um, until then. If you've enjoyed this show, please make sure you hit that five-star button. Please make sure you write something nice. Very nice. Adam, Will, Greg, they're all awesome. Just leave that. We would all smile. If you don't use a device or a podcasting platform, more importantly, that lets you leave um, a review, that's fine too because our boy Will here, Will is an expert in in marketing. If you didn't know, this is why Will gets to travel the world. So Will's going to tell you exactly what you need to do. Yeah, if you're not into the technology, word of mouth is always a great way to to spread the gospel of the Celtics pod, Celtics blog podcast. So make sure you go talk to your all-star captains. 
Go talk to your all-star participants. Go talk to your local dunk contest dunk contestant participants. Go talk to your skills challenge participants. Go talk to the Antacumpo brothers. Tell them to check us out. Go tell all the young rising stars in your neighborhood to go check out the Celtics blog, Celtics Pod podcast with Will, Adam, and our guy Greg, who together they all form like Ultimus was it? Ah, damn, I messed it up. Optimus Prime. Optimus Prime. That's what I was trying to say. I messed it up. Form together like Optimus Prime. Together we are the three man weave. Tune in. Check us out. I would have gone with the Megazord from Power Rangers. <laughs> I had a couple different things I was thinking. <laughs> I had, I, and then I just mashed them all together. So. <laughs> right, everybody. Stay sassy. Catch you on Monday. Ain't disrespecting you haters. I ain't sweating your opinion. Y'all been testing my patience. Never did it for a check. I've been impressed with the famous. Just rather be creative than stressing my wages. Ageless every time I lay a verse down. One play at a time. Keep it moving like a first down. And at the end of the day, I can say that I made this. MJ never made it to the majors. Still, he chased greatness. Expected that he might fail. And I might too. I might never get to pop champagne. Celebrating with the crew. This ain't everything I am. It's something that I do.